Welcome to the Gunning Truth with Ronnie in association with the Arsenal Cape Town Official Supporters Club, a podcast that dissects all things Arsenal. Arsenal have been exceptional up till now. Uh, what a performance against Bournemouth. Uh, a lot of people can uh, look at the fixture list if you compare it to last season. We had a tough Brentford away on a Friday night and then we had Chelsea at the Emirates and we had Man City away in our first three games. We weren't prepared. This season we prepared. We've got I would, I would say only the Bournemouth game out of the three you can look at as easy games or easier games out of our first three because Palace uh, away on the first Friday night of the season. We know that's difficult and a lovely 2-0 clean sheet victory. And then, of course, we had Leicester City. We pummeled and uh, we were very unfortunate to only win 4-2. And then, of course, Bournemouth, a lovely sunny day once again away from home. And uh, an exceptional display where we basically control the tempo for 90 to 95% of the time. So you can see that we are actually building up to a, a big performance, hopefully soon, against a bigger team. And uh, as I've alluded to since the start of this season's podcasts, uh, I need us to win this fi- the first five games. And then, obviously, we have Manchester United away to start September. So then it starts slowly but surely start becoming trickier because we've got uh, two games per week starting soon. Uh, in fact, it starts with our upcoming two Premier League games, which takes place this Saturday, another half-past six kickoff against Fulham at home. And we obviously welcome back Bernd Leno for the first time. I'm not entirely sure what's the situation with regards to Willian because there's been strong rumours that he terminated his contract in Brazil and he's still in talks with uh, Fulham. I haven't read anything recently, so it will be a bit annoying. A player that irritated and annoyed us so much uh, would then obviously come into the squad and, and play. I doubt he will obviously pl- uh, start if it is that he does sign for them. And uh, he gets registered in time, I think it's lunchtime tomorrow, UK time. And then, you know, uh, these players that, 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 that annoyed and irritated and, and upset us so much comes back to haunt us. And there might be a certain player in a Chelsea shirt uh, in not too long from now. But uh, getting back onto the topic of Bournemouth Arsenal, once again, uh, that same team... Uh, that's been playing for the last couple of weeks. That's been excellent for the last two preseason games against Chelsea in the States, against Sevilla in the Emirates Cup, and then obviously all of the first three games. So continuity is being built. There is relationships being built within the team. Uh, little triangle passes that was prevalent in the Leicester City game at home. 
continues. We continue to develop a, a, a style. We kind of know what the style is already. We've got fullbacks pushing into midfield and uh, our left central midfielder and our right attacking midfielder, and those being Jacques and Odegaard supporting the front three. And uh, I just love the way they're combining at this moment in time. Uh, lots of left-footers, obviously. You've got three out of the five are left-footers. So just Martinelli and Jesus, right-footers. And you've got Saka on the right wing, left-footer. Odegaard, who plays closest to him as a left-footer. And then, obviously, closest to Martinelli is Xhaka, the left-footer. Uh, so uh, we've got, you know, all these various things that you can look at. Uh, the way we create space, the way uh, the left side attacks. We've got uh, Zinchenko, if he's not uh, pushing towards midfield, he's uh, 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 doing passes, intricate passes with Martinelli and Xhaka. Xhaka on the left. And then you've obviously got on the right, you've got uh, uh, Erdegaard, uh, Ben White and uh, Saka. So I like the way that we are obviously changing our mean, uh, means of attack. And that is going to be important for this upcoming season. It can't just be the left side that's strong and then maybe the right side that's strong. We need to be strong through the middle. We need to be solid through the middle. And that's what's happening at this moment in time. We've got um, Gabriel and Saliba at the back and Thomas Partey uh, in support in terms of shoring up the, the, the middle. It's not very easy to get through the middle, through our middle. So teams has to go wide. When they do attack, and it's going to be interesting when we've got the the better the better teams playing against us. Uh, obviously, uh, Crystal Palace probably was the best team that played us so far out of all the games, and they weren't that great because we made them look not that great in the first half. But they did obviously get some opportunities in the second half, and then Leicester had their moments when we dropped off a little bit. So uh, all in all, excellent display. What a goal from Saliba. And uh, isn't it amazing to hear the fans chant? The fans, again, excellent. I think it was just under 2,000 fans that's allowed in the Bournemouth Stadium. And they were excellent. You could hear them throughout the game. New chants, Saliba chants, Zinchenko chant. There's a couple of Jesus chants already. So uh, the atmosphere is positive. We need to keep it going. We've got Fulham next and uh, Aston Villa, both at the Emirates. So... Uh, Three out of our first five games at the Emirates, we need to make sure that we have 15 points heading into Manchester United. And if it is so that we do have 15, then it doesn't matter if we draw there. I don't want to lose, but it wouldn't matter if we draw there because obviously Man United has a little bit of steam now after their win against Liverpool and uh, their signing of Casemiro. And they are looking at signing Anthony at Ajax for a ridiculous amount of money. So, again, throwing money at the problems uh, is what caused them problems, but this isn't a Man United podcast. So, I've mentioned it before. I, I'm not worried about the game, but there is a certain mental block when we do go to Old Trafford. But we've had decent results at Old Trafford, uh, annoying loss last season. But uh, I think we'll get to that Man United game when it's time to. So, uh, top of the league. Uh, I don't look at the log until at the very least October and obviously we've got tricky games in September and October and then of course the World Cup break plus you've got two games per week with the Europa League starting soon the Carabao Cup draw was yesterday we got Brighton at home another team that we struggle with recently so we've got Brighton at home but that's only a, a couple of days before the end of that little 
the Premier League period before the World Cup. So there isn't Carabao Cup games until uh, early November. So there is a couple of Europa League games. So uh, obviously the team can kind of keep fit or the players that we deem as replacement players can start getting games. And hopefully they, they put their hands up because that's going to be important. We're going to need the squad if it is that we want to challenge for top four or even higher honours. Then we're going to need the squad and we're going to need the end of this transfer window to be able to compete with Manchester City. And I'm going to mention Liverpool. They will get it right. They will be a team that we're going to, well, difficult to say that we're going to compete with them because uh, obviously they are supposedly so far ahead. Are they really? And then obviously you've got uh, Chelsea and you have to include Man United. Despite the fact that they are missed, Chelsea and Man United are going to throw money uh, at the problem, as I like to call it, as we near the end of the transfer window. Can't see Tottenham doing any more work, but they seem to be kind of settled. The, the dark arts, Antonio Conte uh, coaching them the dark arts. They're not playing well, but they are picking up points. Got a good point away from home after being dominated against Chelsea. And then they came back in both their home games. They were in a little bit of trouble at, at the start. However, they ended up winning those games. So they are not playing well, but they've got seven points from out of nine. Seven out of nine points. So they are obviously going to be there throughout the season. It's just a matter of will Chelsea and Man United also be there throughout the season? Will Liverpool drop back more towards our group of of teams and Man City obviously the the main team? Or will Liverpool bounce back? I think they will. I think they will and maybe they will uh, get another player in before the end of the window. So uh, Bournemouth 0, Arsenal 3. Excellent display. We're looking good. And I'm very excited for the next game on Saturday against Fulham. Up the Arsenal. Financial fair play. Now, my understanding over the years is that uh, will teams really be red flagged for financial fair play? The teams that recently been uh, disqualified from making transfers or they had a transfer window ban or two or three transfer window bans weren't related to financial fair play. More registration of players, uh, uh, trying to uh, defunct UEFA by, uh, you know, doing certain things within the academy. But I, I don't know if there's been a team that's officially been sanctioned for financial fair play. And within my WhatsApp groups, uh, I've been complaining about the way Barcelona seems to always be able to find ways to sell their economic rights or their television rights to uh, uh, streaming platforms and TV channels to be able to end up registering players. they got players on exorbitant wages, which they don't accurately uh, put down in their financials, and uh, they continuously buy, buy, buy. They've, they're in a mess. They've got half a billion uh, or even closer to a billion uh, euros worth of debt. And then you get newspapers. Obviously, Arsenal are doing a little bit okay. And the newspapers are now coming with the story that uh, Arsenal's on a watch list for FFP. Now, having researched it, Arsenal are not on that list. It's just obviously Arsenal have been one of those clubs that has had record amounts of losses. However, that's been offset with what is called a COVID advance, I think they call it, whereby UEFA will not enforce the strict 30 million uh, 
I think it's 30 million pound per season losses. So obviously Arsenal's losing 200, 200 million pounds uh, in the last financial year. However, that's been offset by, you know, certain things that these clubs tend to do. I, I don't know the wording, the correct wording for it. But uh, the thing that I've read the most is refinancing of loans. So I'm not a financial expert. But refinancing of loans is what Arsenal seems to have done. They obviously have a property and all these things in London that they're also refinancing. So uh, I don't know. I, I don't know if it's going to be a, a problem for us. There's certain journalists that feel Arsenal can still spend more money without the need of, of selling uh, selling one of their star players at this moment in time. However, that could start changing in the next year, especially if there's more losses. However, Arsenal's commercial revenue is good. We obviously uh, selling out our stadium. So that's obviously we are a club that's normally run like that, where quite a lot of our income is through uh, ticket sales in the stadium. And that's why we've got, if not the most expensive, one of the most expensive uh, season tickets and ticket prices at the Emirates. Uh, so we do well there. We do well with shirt sales. Uh, even though I think it is that uh, obviously Adidas pays out in advance. Uh, uh, Emirates uh, pays out in advance and Visit Rwanda pays out in advance. So uh, shirt sales then goes towards them. So I think we are in a good footing. Uh, we've got guys that knows what they're doing. E even if on the field it's not seemed like the people knows what they're doing, our commercial team seems to, and you know, we seem to know what we are doing when it comes to being able to sell the Arsenal product. So I can't see us having any problems there. Other clubs are still struggling. We've obviously probably already done the rebates for the television money during COVID times. So there's obviously new TV deals that takes place and obviously more money that comes in. And then obviously a little bit more money coming in from Europa League, not a lot. And that's why it's important for us to qualify for the Champions League because you are at least tripling your uh, commercial revenue when you are in the Champions League. That's at least tripling within the group stages alone. So if you get out of the group stages, you can even make more money. And then obviously Premier League position, which I, I thought was a lot, but it's like only... 1.5 to 2 million pounds per position. So that's not huge. However, your TV deals, the amount of times you're on Sky, the amount of times you're on the big TV, TV channels, that also helps with your income. So I don't think Arsenal are, uh, is in trouble when it comes to financial fair play. It's just a story that's been coming out due to the fact that we continuously are spending in the vicinity of 150 million pounds and we can't seem to sell well, which is the only nagging thing that's currently taking place. However, I do feel once we get rid of the last couple of Deadwood players, then we're going to start having players that's going to command a value uh, going forward. So uh, if it is that we want to sell the likes of Sambi Lokonga, who's not currently a first-team player, we will very likely get more than what we paid for him. Maybe not a lot more, but we will get more value for uh, the players that we would be selling going forward. So there is positivity to look forward to when it comes to that part. I don't want to think about us selling our players because I want us to create depth, build depth. So uh, from a financial fair play standpoint, I think we are going to be okay. We just do need to get into the Champions League next season because uh, it's it's not sustainable to spend 150 million plus per season 
and obviously not recoup a, a decent amount of money. So, yeah, I think we are fine when it comes to financial fair play. So we finally have one of those periods where we've got quite a few games uh, coming quite fast. We've got to end the month and to end the transfer window, we've got uh, Fulham this Saturday 6.30. And then on Wednesday the 31st of August, we are at home. So luckily we are at home for the, those two games. At home to Aston Villa and then South African time midnight on Friday the 2nd September, the transfer window closes. So that's 11 o'clock. On Thursday the 1st, I do know that something that might interest us is the fact that Man United are playing Leicester a couple of hours before the transfer window shuts. So hopefully if there is seriousness with the Stilamont deal and it is that we are trying to drive the price down, we need to get moving because it's going to be very tricky while Leicester are playing a couple of hours before the window shuts to get that deal done. And then uh, we have Manchester United on Sunday, the 4th of September, uh, half past five. So uh, it's going to be interesting to see how we are going to rotate our current squad. So, for example, the Fulham game, I would still keep it the same. We've got Ramsdale in goal, White, Saliba, Gabriel and Zinchenko. However, we are going to need to start thinking about the fullback position. I don't know if we're going to change the midfield. Can we change the midfield if we haven't brought in anyone yet for the Aston Villa game? Because obviously we've got uh, Aston Villa a couple of days after the Fulham game. And then we've got Man United the following weekend, which will be a trickier game. So what I would do is I would maybe introduce one of the fullbacks in these two games. So that they can be match ready for a possible more defensive type of a game against uh, Man United. So I would obviously, I would definitely have Tomiyasu and if Zinchen, uh, if uh, Tierney gets through the games, uh, whether it's from a substitute point of view or from a starting uh, point of view in the two home games, I would probably look into getting him because he's a little bit better defensively than Zinchenko. Zinchenko hasn't really been tested in terms of having to defend. However, it's tricky because it all depends on how Arteta wants to go about these games. You can't look too far ahead. So you have to keep on playing the team unless there's injuries, unless there's in the proverbial red zone. You have to try and keep the team the same. But I find it very hard to believe that we will keep the team the same for all three games. That's going to be tricky. So uh, uh, ESR, Vieira to come into the team as well without changing the structure and the way we want to play too much. Uh, it's going to be interesting to see if we keep the midfield three the same. And are we going to keep that same style where Xhaka pushes a little bit more forward? Uh, obviously, Aston Villa has got some exciting players and I've been very impressed with Fulham. They got a good draw against uh, Liverpool and then obviously beat Brentford late. And Mitrovic is looking good, so uh, it's going to be a good test for Gabriel and Saliba. Uh, with regard to the aerial test that, that Mitrovic is going to bring. And then they've got that uh, Portuguese, Vahinia, or something like that. Vahinia, that's uh, running things in midfield. They've got the former Man United player uh, in midfield as well, uh, uh, Pereira. So he's looking good. So they've got a good squad. And Bernd Leno in goal. And funny enough, uh, uh, two of our former keepers, 
coming consecutively to the Emirates with uh, Martinez coming with Aston Villa as well. So uh, my prediction for the Fulham game is it's either going to be 3-1 or 2-0 because I'm very worried about Mitrovic. I'm going to go with 2-0, another clean sheet, but um, a hard a hard working victory and then maybe a slightly easier win against Aston Villa, even though they've got some players that, that can hurt us, players that have hurt us in the past, Coutinho, Watkins, Ings, uh, once again, I think there might be a couple of injuries on their side as well. And then, uh, let's not forget, Chambers also comes back to the Emirates. So we could have Willian and Leno coming back coming back to the Emirates on Saturday. Even though I don't think the Willian deal will be f done until the end of the window. And then you could have, or will likely have, Callum Chambers and uh, Martinez. So a couple of uh, former Arsenal players that was part of the painful past. Okay, maybe to a to a lesser extent, uh, Martinez, because uh, and Leno. So both keepers actually did 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 okay for us. To be fair, so uh, that's what we can expect. And then obviously the 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 end of the transfer window uh, after that Fulham game. So hopefully, uh, if it is that that we are serious about bidding the right amount of money that Wolves want for Neto, I am. Absolutely huge on this Neto guy, Pedro Neto. I feel if he joins us, he's going to go that next level. Somebody that can come off the bench that regularly scores and then uh, obviously pushes both uh, wide players uh, or even if ESR is also deemed a left attacking midfielder, then uh, we could be in a situation where we've got ESR and uh, Neto coming off the bench to replace Martinelli and Saka, and then the, the level doesn't drop too much, and then obviously Vieira and Odegaard in midfield. So, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm really confident that we're going to get five wins out of five, which is what I predicted right at the start. However, there are obviously certain aspects to look out for, especially on some things that we... The only thing that... The only concern that I've got is when we drop, which is normal for every team to drop a little bit... Uh, especially a sustained period of pressure from the opposition, uh, more so from Fulham, because I feel they've got some good ball players in midfield and they've got uh, Mitrovic up front. So we can't really afford to drop off and allow pressure to come from that side. And then Aston Villa, they, even though they haven't been good so far this season, they've got players that can hurt us. And then, yeah, and then we get to the transfer window closing. I'm hoping that it is that Arsenal are, are, are doing their bargaining bits, uh, Edu, uh, with regards to both Neto and Tillemans, trying to drive the price down. It's going to be very tricky dealing with Wolves. They don't need to sell. They've bought well. They've put a lot of money into the players that they've bought so that if they do sell, they can sell high. So I'm hoping that a deal can be done between 45 and 50 million pounds for Neto, if that's possible. And then... Some journalists say the reason why Arsenal haven't done the Tillemont deal is due to a, a, a high fee that Leicester would like. However, as the window comes to a close, they need to make a decision. Are they going to sell for 20, 25 million? And if they are not selling, are they willing to take the hit? Uh, whether it's selling him in January or for free at the end of the season. I'm hoping that Arsenal, even though I personally feel we need a number four more than we need another number six or a number eight. So uh, I wouldn't be upset if we don't get Tillemans. 
However, I feel we need to get the proper holding midfielders because the moment uh, Thomas Partey is going to come off and it's very difficult to have a like-for-like like Thomas Partey because, first of all, the type of work that he does, you won't really get from, from, from players that's out there. And uh, can you have like-for-like high-quality DMs if the one is going to play more. However, we know his injury record. So uh, I wouldn't be too annoyed if we don't get another midfielder in because it doesn't seem like we are linked with a DM. We link to more uh, left-sided or right-sided uh, sixes or eights. And then, obviously, I would have preferred to have a tall striker come in. However, I really, really rate and like Neto. It's a pity about the injury that he had, but I feel that he can resurface his career so as the window comes to a close i think we we need to get that one big one in and uh, i think netto is the one next week the podcast will be done on friday because of the fact that the transfer window closes the thursday so if there's any big news i don't want to be in a situation where i would have done the podcast and then we've got some big things happening as Thursday progresses. So the next podcast will be on Friday, the 2nd of September. And let's hope we get one. And let's surprise everybody by getting two in. Up the Arsenal. I'm gonna make you mine. They say he wants some water. I'm gonna make you mine.